All right. Good evening, Q's Nation, and welcome to the Upstate Orange Podcast on Finger Lakes One TV and YouTube. I'm Jim Sinecropi, back live inside the FingerLakes1.com studios in downtown Seneca Falls, New York. We had two weeks off of the show. It's February 14th, 2016, and I really do have to apologize to our our viewers, our loyal listeners. Um, we took two weeks off. Two weeks ago, Brad was in China, and I came down with a really bad cold. And last week, we just had irreconcilable scheduling differences or difficulties that just could not be overcome. Um, which is odd because we can usually find some time to squeeze this in. But anyways, the good news is we're rejuvenated uh, for the stretch run as Syracuse, uh, you know, we're going to be right with you through Syracuse's national championship in uh, early April. So um, the Upstate Orange, Upstate Orange podcast is brought to you by Generations Bank with locations in Auburn, Farmington, Geneva, Phelps, Seneca Falls, Union Springs, and Waterloo. Be sure to check out their mobile banking app, or visit them online at mygembank.com. And uh, we're going to talk about five straight wins for the Cuse, including Syracuse's 75-61 victory over Boston College earlier today inside the comfy confines of the Conte Forum. And, Brad, I'm really happy to welcome you back stateside and uh, back to the show. Jim, I am pumped to be back here tonight and talking Syracuse basketball. This is a great time of this year, getting into uh... – Mid-February, and it's uh, it's all uphill from here. Did you happen to uh, run into any fans of the show while you were over in China? I was looking for people, people with Syracuse gear on. I didn't happen to see any. I didn't really look uh, look very hard, but I no, no, we didn't talk much Syracuse basketball in Beijing, unfortunately. Well, China might be one of the only places where um, you might not find some Syracuse gear. Since everywhere I've ever gone in the domestic U- U.S., I see a lot of Syracuse stuff. So they love their basketball in China. I will say that they love the NBA. I, uh, I actually happened to run into um, Yao Ming when I was over there. All seven foot six of them. You happened to run into him? I, I rode an elevator with him. Really? How how did that all come down? That he just got on the elevator, staying at the same hotel. He's uh, that's crazy. Yeah, I've never, I've never stood next to, since I've been an adult. I've never stood next to anybody that's a foot and a half taller than me. That's something that's <laughs> something experience. Yeah, I bet that's crazy. Yao Ming. Whoa. So, uh, yeah, he's done with basketball. So, he, who knows? Yeah, what? he's uh, he's not in, not in playing shape anymore. But he's he's still seven foot six. Well, enough about Yao Ming. We got about. Uh, an hour here to talk about uh, Syracuse. We haven't talked in a couple weeks, so we should probably get right to it. And the best news is that we've won five straight, and all of a sudden, you know, we're we're feeling like this team can come together. We're feeling like this team can make a postseason run. Uh, I don't know. How good have we become? I mean, they've beaten a few in this stretch. They've beaten a few decent teams and got a couple good road wins. Actually, just one road win. The rest were at home. And, um, you know, it just seems like uh, Bayheim's got them together and they're and they're getting better and they're peaking at the right time. I mean, what do you think about this streak? Is it a mirage or is this uh, for real? I think what you just said was important, that they're peaking at the right time. I mean, this, this team, by, you know, by every measure was, was you know, was terrible a month ago, right? <laughs> they were, they were, you know, we were, they were written off and, you know, for dead. And, and Behan comes back and 
we were hoping he would be able to light a spark under the team, and he's done exactly that. Uh, I mean, he, I think that they uh, mostly what I've been encouraged by is the offense. I mean, the offense has been clicking the last two games. I mean, you know, granted today was BC, and that's you know everybody should be BC, but the way that, the way they that were clicking on offense, particularly against Florida State, just moving the basketball, really smart passing, really good sharp ball movements, finding the open man, knocking down shots, open shots, weren't contested, you know, to the same degree. They weren't forcing things. That's what I'm really impressed by and what I really see is a difference now that I didn't see a month ago. Yeah, and um you know, a lot of it is during that stretch that our two freshmen kinda of weren't uh weren't performing as as well as they had maybe back in the Bahama days back in November. Um but Leiden and Richardson are playing great. We'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, I was – it's funny. You know, I don't usually get into online arguments, you know, like on Facebook or, or um, you know, message boards or anything like that. I Pretty much, you know, they're losing propositions either way. So, anyways, I'm on Facebook after the Cuse win. And or actually it was after the Syracuse win over Florida State. And sure enough, uh, somebody made a post about how Bayheim is back and the Cuse is winning. And sure enough, there were two or three posts from uh, Bayheim haters, you know, that said, oh, you know, he has nothing to do with or he's overrated, needs to play man-to-man. And, you know, what what else does a guy, you know, need to do to – he's a legend and an icon, you know, and he still has to deal with this kind of stuff. And this is just another example um, of course, Bayheim is the reason that they've righted the ship and turned it around because he's a great coach. He was wasn't even at practice for those uh, nine games, and you know now that he's back, he's he's got a lot to do with it. So I'm just sick of the Bayheim haters. Yeah, it's that's that's hard to accept. I mean, you you see what they were doing without him, and now he's back. I mean, it's he he knows his team, and he knows how to make get the most out of this team. What can he do to silence the critics? He uh, win another national championship, I guess. That's yeah. kind of the only thing that he can do. I mean, get back to second on the all-time win list, apparently, because he's not there. Stupid NCAA. But yeah. beyond that, I mean, I think it's just you know, there's just they're internet trolls and they're hate, you know haters if you want to call them that. But I mean, I think this team needs to be able to overachieve in a tournament. Yeah, that's Bayheim's kind of team. You know, he he loves to overachieve with teams like this, right? And, um, and I think, unfortunately, what's happened the last several years is they've been pretty well, pretty highly ranked going into the tournament. Not last year, obviously, but going you know two years ago and prior. You know, they were number one in the country and you know, they're very highly ranked. And they go into the tournament, and they fall to a lesser opponent. You know, they lose to an eleven seed Dayton. You know, they, you know, those things shouldn't happen. And so, I think it needs to. You need to see the opposite end of that equation, where they go into the tournament as a six or a seven seed, and they make a great Sweet Sixteen run, or even a Final Four run as a six or a seven seed. I think when that happens, and you know, Beheim has done some of his best work, like we've talked about, when when the teams aren't aren't the, the highly ranked team. I think we've got a good opportunity to see that this year. Like I would love to see them continue to be on the path that they're on, because I think they've got every chance to do that. And this team's got all the pieces. It's just a matter of you know, can they continue on this run for another month? Yeah, and you can see how they could play with anybody, and because um, when they were losing, there you could think about a million reasons why. But the main reason is that you know the guys you were counting on to to put the ball in the basket just weren't doing it. So 
now you got. But uh, I think they're. I think they're doing a lot more now to get guys in better positions. I think what you saw earlier in the season was a a, a different Malachi Richardson, and you're seeing now, and he's the you know it, he in a lot of ways he's the engine. I mean, he's not he doesn't run point, but as he goes, the team really kind of feeds off of him, what he can do. I mean, he's he's lightning in a bottle, man. He can score you know ten points in the blink of an eye. In a lot of different but if ways. Put the ball yeah. on the floor and get into the basket. Like that just makes his team that much more adept. Where before they were just shooting threes, and he was the you know leading culprit of that. And Richardson also, which actually I'm going to kick this over to the next topic of the night because it's about our dynamic freshman duo of which Richardson's one half, Tyler Lydon's the other half, and their um, and their sidekick Frank Howard. But, uh, yeah, Richardson's unbelievable. He um, is a great rebounder. He, you know, he really helps us rebounding. And he, um, man, he made an unbelievable pass to a wide-open Tyler Lyde. And I guess it wasn't unbelievable, but it was a skip pass, but it didn't go over the defense. It went through the defense. He, and it was no look, and the, the Boston College didn't see it coming, and Lydon knocked down a big three um, in the second half of that BC game. I don't know if you remember that play, but um, you know it was it's a pretty good pass for for a freshman. And um, so, anyways, my question to you, Brett? Well, go ahead, go ahead. No, I, I'm, I, the, it, he's he's become just more versatile because he's able to put the ball on the floor. I think he's got a lot more confidence in the open floor now than he had the end season, where he was just relying on his three point shot. And I think his three point shot's been better now because they you know they fear him putting the ball on the floor and getting to the basket. True, yeah, and he can he can shoot off the pass, off the dribble. Um, but my question to you about uh, Richardson and Tyler Lydon is: Is this the best freshman one-two that we've had since Carmelo and GMAC? We've had some good ones. I'm gonna, so I'm going to say no because I remember Dante Green and Johnny Flynn being two uh, first-round picks, both averaging 15 plus as freshmen. Yeah, but that that's that is the ultimate mirage. Right now, would you take? Well, I don't know. That's a good question. Would you take? If you could have right now Dante Green and Johnny Flynn um, to sub in for Leiden and Richardson for this team, would would you do that? Mm. I would. I, I, I would want to for <laughs> this Flynn. Team, this team could use Johnny Flynn at point guard, right? Finish it off the ball, uh, so that'd be tempting. But Dante Green would blow it up. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily think finally of Dante Green necessarily because as much as I love the fact now that Richardson's putting the ball on the floor and getting to the basket, Dante Green never did that. He just wanted. to. You know, stay outside and jack up threes. And play the worst defense I've um, ever seen a Syracuse player play. <laughs> yeah, it really was. really was. So I'd, that'd be a toss-up. I mean, you know, both guys were, were you know, first-round picks, and, you know, Flynn was one of the, one of the great you know, warriors that we saw in the six-overtime game especially. That guy could, you know, do anything. So yeah. that's a tough one. But, I, and, well, you know, it, a lot of Leiden doesn't start. I mean, I, I, you know, I see, you know, Deion Waiters and, and C.J. Fair. We're, we're freshmen together and Fab Mello. Those three, actually. Fab yeah. didn't wasn't as good as a freshman. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think there's a case to be made, no doubt. And in the context of this particular team, um, you know, if you threw Flynn and, and Green on there, then where's where are the shots coming from Michael Benigay, you know? All of a sudden, sure. you know, so, um, yeah, I don't know. For I this, this pr- team is, is, is I, I really like what's happened now, and guys are really, really settling into roles on this team. And Benigay's not the classic point guard, but – he is able to give Richardson the opportunity to, to you know, pick his spots and, and not have to be the man. And obviously we don't want, you know, Cooney running point and, and um, you know, Frank Howard's not ready and Caleb Joseph, who knows where he is anymore. And so I think everybody kind of has a role. And, 
you know, seven deep, like it or not. But if you know, Bayheim's no seven different than deep, any other Syracuse team. Nope. I think that, that, that this seven is is as as good as we can hope for it. Uh, you know, with the group that they throw out there. Yeah, and I said dynamic freshman duo. How about Tyler Lydon? I mean, how awesome is Tyler Lydon? How likable of a player is Tyler Lydon? And how sure when he is open for three are you that that ball's going in with Tyler Lydon? So I would say three weeks ago I wasn't. He went through a bit of a freshman slump. But sure. the guy I'm seeing the last two or three weeks is the guy that we saw earlier in the season that we were so enamored with. And I think that guy's back. And, you know, hopefully it's just the, you know, the sky's the limit now. Smart with the ball, um, good rebounder, even though he's kind of undersized, not really height-wise, but, but bulk-wise. Um, just really smart out there for a freshman. And, um, and yeah. I mean, the only, the only difference really, you know, what I see that he lacks is sort of the, the interior presence on defense, you know, where Coleman is a space eater and guys just can't drive the lane on him. Leiden can't do that yeah. yet because he just doesn't have that bulk, but he's just as good I and mean, he's a better rebounder. Yeah. He, he he gets he gets higher up and he keeps the ball high. He doesn't get it taken from him, and you know, he's smart with the outlet passes. I, so you know, rebounding, I don't think we lack anything with Leiden there. Yeah, I agree. Which I still uh, still wonder why we can't get Chonoso Aboko in there for f- three or four minutes against um, the big guy for BC he played, today. He played a minute against Florida State at the end. That was encouraging, right? Yeah, I just That's thought, you know, maybe at some point during that BC game, um, you know, you put him in there and just have him get physical, you know, with the big guy from uh, Boston College that was killing us early, earlier today. But I can't remember. You should be able to. That's, that's a dead horse if we start beating it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So um, one last note on the uh, freshman, and it's a little callback to the original question if they're the best since Carmelo and GMAC. But right now Richardson with the three three-pointers he made against BC today has 58 for the season, so he passed Carmelo Anthony and Johnny Flynn, who both made 56 three-pointers as freshmen, and uh, Richardson now only trails. Um, a little trivia question for you, Brad. Who does Richardson now trail? Yeah, obviously trails Jerry McNamara. Correct. That's one. Uh, McNamara had 85. Not number. He's not the number one all-time uh, single-season three-pointer, though. Shooter. I would get Dante Green just because all he did was jack up threes. Yep, that's correct. Dante Green had 90, so another reason to root for Richardson, <laughs> although I don't know. Crazy. The guy was 6'9". Yeah. So Richardson would need 32 to catch Dante Green, um, and they got five. Honestly, I hope it doesn't happen because if it does, that means he's shooting too many threes. Yeah, or it means Syracuse made a deep run in the NCAA tournament. Well, there's that, but yeah, I think I, uh, I I feel much more comfortable when he's putting the ball on the rack and going to the rim, and and you know, then he's making two or three threes a game. And yeah. you know, when we really need him, he can he can make more. A, yeah, a lot of that's a lot of games that I don't think they've got left, even if they do make their deep run. Yep. So, well, speaking of freshmen. How about Frank Howard? This guy's starting to like, you know, he's a dynamic passer. He's exciting to watch. If he just wouldn't shoot the ball, you know, he seems to want to force <laughs> up some shots. You know, I feel really good about Frank Howard as being like a superstar, not this year, but, you know, into the future, just an absolute superstar at the point for us. Uh, and Yeah, he's, he's got a little bit of Carter Williams in him early. I mean, he's kind of long and lean and, and a little bit loose with the ball, but he, he likes to throw, you know, some some challenging passes that, you know, have some high degree of difficulty and they get through. And, and yeah, he, he, you know, he's aggressive. He takes the ball to the rim. I, you know, I'd love to see that. Uh, you know, sometimes it's ill-advised, but he's a freshman and he'll, he'll learn. Um, you know, I, I think we all feel better about Frank Howard now than we do about Caleb Joseph. 
unfortunately, but you know, Frank Howard's the point guard next year, whether you like it or not. I mean, he's the guy, so it's it's encouraging to see him get quality minutes and and you know be productive with him. Yeah, and um, you know his role going forward into March is going to be it's you know there's going to be a couple games in through the ACC tournament and into the NCAA tournament where he's going to be called upon to play you know extended minutes for extended stretches and uh, mm-hmm. you know he can be how he plays in that stretch can be the difference between a win and a loss. I, I don't feel nervous when he's in the game. I don't feel no. like it's a turnover waiting to happen. I don't feel like he's he's he he detracts too much. I think he, you know, you you know, you're going to get four or five minutes at most from him when he's out there, and I think he's in those four or five minutes, he's going to do three or four really good things, and he's going to do one or two kind of stupid things, and and you take take that as it is, and and you know, it, it, but you realize when he's in there, that means that Ben and Jay or Cooney's getting a much needed rest because those guys don't get enough rest during the game, and and that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so good to see Howard getting worked into that rotation continually, and. Um, I tell you, it must it must be really really embarrassing to be a Boston College fan and you know either watch the game on TV or go to one of the few people that actually went to the game um, and just see the crowd be a home crowd for Syracuse. I mean, there was definitely more Syracuse fans than Boston College fans in the Conte Forum earlier today, and it's terrible. It's a far of it. I think is a reflection on how well Syracuse does, especially anywhere around the Northeast. Um, you know, actually, pretty much anywhere they go, um, you know, if there's tickets available, there'll be a contingent, a, a sizable contingent of Syracuse fans. Uh, but in contrast, Boston College basketball is just as irrelevant, you know, to the people of Boston and America in the rest of the ACC, you know, as it ever was. And it's uh, it's hard to really understand. They've had some really great players in recent history, too. Chris Dudley, Craig Smith, Troy Bell, um, you know, going way back to Michael Adams and, and company. But um, they got no fan base. It's it's kind of... I'll, I'll tell you a funny, a funny story about today's game, and I'm watching it with my 12-year-old son, and... They made some reference to the great rivalry between Syracuse and Boston College. Oh my! And I, I joked about how it's not been much of a rivalry lately since Michael Adams and hit that fall out of bounds he shot. Said, well, he, he said, "Was it ever a rivalry? Yeah. Well, has Boston College ever been good? Like in his lifetime, Boston College has always been the worst of the worst." Sure. I said, "Yeah, there was a day where these guys were good. Those were great games back in the '80s. You know, Michael Adams. You know, Pearl hit a half court shot against Boston College to win the game, and you know." It, even in the 90s, and they, they showed some montage of you know, old D.C. guys on a wall somewhere, and it showed Billy Curley. I said, yeah, that was a good oh, yeah. game. They Carolina, number one seed. And, you know, they've done some good things, but, man, that's ancient history for these guys. Yeah, and I'll tell you, um, you know, Syracuse made the three half-court shot against Boston College. Michael Adams made the shot in the Boston Garden against Syracuse with Andre Hawkins in his grill. Um, or maybe actually Andre, later in that game, Andre Hawkins drew what was an obvious charge and the ref didn't call it and said, are they called it on Hawkins as a block? And Adams went to the line and won the game that same game, I believe. Yep. So, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, I'd get, I wish that Providence or 
Seton Hall or St. John's, and pretty much any other old Big East school I wish was in the ACC with us than Boston College. Now, granted, they do bring a little bit to the table football-wise. Um, they seem to have a, a moderate football fan base, but, um, yeah, basketball. That's still a fun rivalry in football. It's a, That's yeah. at least a competitive game, and, and it's one that a Syracuse fan can get up for, but I don't see how a Syracuse fan gets up for the D.C. basketball game ever anymore. Yeah, yeah, not at all. Just a game on the schedule. So, um, well, it's nice to dispose of them today. Um, they put up a good fight until we overpowered them with our tremendous uh, team play and three-point shooting um, and zone defense. But uh, time to take a look at the old NCAA tournament resume. Syracuse checking in now at 18-8, and 8-5 eight, eight and five in the ACC. Their RPI is at 37 and um, run through the quality wins real quick. St. Bonaventure um, at home, 33 RPI rating. UConn's at 44 in the RPI. We beat them in the Bahamas, along with Texas A&M, 24 RPI. Um, we won at Duke at 17 in the RPI. I'm not even sure if that is after the Virginia win. I think that must count the Virginia win where um, Duke was afforded another massive uh, stroke of good luck by being allowed to travel and then make a shot. Um, Notre Dame... <laughs> 16 in the RPI. That, that's that's a better win than people realize, and we didn't get much credit for it because um, Jackson there for Notre Dame yeah, was, that out. was stroke of, stroke of good luck, I think, in that game. Yeah, but we, we, we I mean, killed him. a great offensive yeah. game, but yeah. I think that would have been a different test with him in the game. And Florida, Notre Dame had nothing without him. Florida State, 45 RPI. That was, that was a borderline quality win. Um, bad losses. You know, really the only bad, bad loss was the St. John's game. Um, you know, just that's terrible. Uh, but you uh, realize that St. John's still has not won a game since that day. Yeah, game. yeah. They they came close against um, geez, somebody in in their in the conference. Maybe it was uh, it was a better team in the in the in the Big East. They, uh, Villanova, they, Villanova. They almost beat Marquette. Maybe no, they played Villanova tight five, on this weekend. They lost a ten by Villanova. I mean, Villanova's number one in the country. You lose by ten yeah. on their court. I guess that's good. Um, you know, other losses, we lost at home in overtime to Wisconsin. We lost at Georgetown badly. We lost at Pitt at Miami. And we lost at home to Clemson in OT. So two overtime losses. Then we lost at home to UNC. So we do have eight losses. But um, two weeks ago, we sat here and we said, Syracuse needed to win seven of their next ten to be safe, um, you know, for the end, heading into the ACC tournament because that would put them at 20 and 11. So, hey, guess what? Um, we won five in a row since then, so now we just need two of the next five to get that magical number 20 um, heading into the ACC tournament. And uh, obviously, Brad, this year, especially if Syracuse wins 20, um, given what the NCAA said about taking into account Bayheim's um, absence during that stretch where they lost a lot of those games and given how watered down the whole country is, um, Twenty wins should should get us in. Twenty wins should get us a five seed, right? I don't know about a five seed, but it definitely gets you a top eight seed. You know, right now they're you know you look at bracketology, they're one of the last four in, which I don't uh, get it. Eleven or twelve seed, but you know, I think if they so they got five regular season games left plus the ACC tournament, so you know that's that's six to eight more games. If they can get to, yeah, I mean, if they can get to. 23 wins, and that gets them a, a 5C, I would say. You know, um, they've got they got a couple winnable games. That they, you know, I, I, a couple of games that I think they absolutely have to get to, to be a top 5 or 6 seed. They've got to beat Pitt at home. They've got to beat NC State at home. 
I think they've got to win that, that Florida State game down there. Um, you can afford to lose on the road to Carolina and Louisville, and, um, and it shouldn't hurt them too bad. They should definitely need to win a first-round game in the ACC tournament, which they've never done yet. <laughs> so yeah. I think that's a necessity to have a, have a decent seed. But I think as long as they take care of business against Pitt and NC State, at Florida State, or even without the Florida State, I think they've got nothing to worry about. They can beat Pitt and State, NC State, in the dome. Yeah, well, um, you know, we put ourselves in position, and uh, we we do. We just need to take care of business, and it would, would be nice to get that one. You know, at Louisville, at North Carolina, um, we don't have that really super marquee win. Although, you know, Texas A and M's got to be considered yeah. considered up up there with a marquee win, but. Um, Who would have thought Bonaventure, Bonaventure would be as good as it is? I, I yeah. was shocked when I saw Bonaventure's RPI was that high, but they're they're having a nice season. In a tough league, the A10 is a good league. Yeah, I think they're even only in fifth, fifth place. In I think they're in fourth or fifth place in the A10, which um, you know yeah, they're in a solid fourth, nine and three. And speaking of these conferences, like the A10, you know, which has been strong, and you know, the old Big East or the new Big East is great. I love it. You know, I miss it. New Big East is a great league. I love watching it. It's uh, geez, it's almost worth for going everything football just to still be a part of that league. Um, but that would be nice. So, all right, Brad, you've been away for a couple weeks, and um, so I'm expecting some really impressive Syracuse trivia tonight. What do you have for us for Connor's Corner? Impressive is probably not the right word, but I've got a little bit. This is a, it's it's a, sort of a two part question, but sort of like one of those SAT questions that you sort of have to process information in uh, multiple ways to get the right answer. But okay. what I've got for you is uh, for all of the nine guys on the Syracuse active roster, tell me, give me two guys who they share their number with in Syracuse history. Okay, so for everybody on the roster, why don't? Um... Why don't we two, part, two part question. One number one, you got to know what their number is now, and then you got to know who else shared that number. And we've done the number number thing in the past, and so I think there's some overlap with some that we've done. But it's a fun, uh, you know, I like my number, so this is this is always a fun one for me. Yeah, so I'm going to try to go in order from uh, lowest to highest in the numbers, and I think Frank Howard like number one or something like that, or uh, oh, duh, you know, Michael Benajay zero, right? Yep. Um, not zero zero, just zero. Is there a difference? Is there, well, you tell me. Um, well, yeah, I'd say zero and zero zero are different numbers. Yep. So okay. For and for basketball, not, who, who would you share it with? Um, I almost gotta say nobody. Rick Jackson was double zero, but I don't know if there's ever been another zero that I can remember. So you're one for one because there's been never been another zero, and wow. Rick Jackson was the only other double zero. Really, the only other double zero. You know, it's kind of, isn't that kind of strange to take on that number? I think zero is stranger than double zero, but they're both kind of odd. Usually, when a guy chooses zero, it's because his his name starts with an O. Like right. The, the one I always remember is Ota B. McDowell, who was a yeah. baseball player for the Rangers back in the eighties, and he always number zero. Sure. Huh. I thought that was appropriate. Well, it's definitely kind of strange. Um, and then I think it was um, Frank Howard is number one, right? Yep, correct. So I need two guys number one. So we got Michael Carter-Williams, right? Correct. And um, Hakeem Warwick. Hakeem Warwick's a good one. Also supporting number one, Andy Routens, yep. Alan Griffin. Yep. And Mike Sutton, going back to 
two on the walk-on slate. <laughs> well, so I don't I don't know any of the walk-ons numbers. Are we just doing the major players on the roster? Or just, uh, no, so Rob, just just uh, just the scholarship, scholarship. scholarship guys. All right. Um, oh, what else is there? Cooney's ten. Cooney's ten. Is that the next number up? Maybe Cooney's ten. That's correct. Okay. Yep. So um, other great tens. Jeez, ten's a tougher one. Jason Hart? Uh, no, Jason no. Hart was five. Yeah, he's not ten. Josh Pace was five. Correct. Man, I'm I'm probably gonna kick myself. There's got to be lots of number tens. There's a couple that you should know. One we talked about earlier in the show. Um, Dante Green. No, he was Correct. five. No, he was ten. Dante Green. Yeah. Oh, no, Johnny Flynn. Johnny Flynn was 10. Johnny Flynn was 10, yeah. yes. Um, okay, now I need another 10. Uh, CJ Fair's four. You got to go a little bit deeper. There's a, uh, there's a couple of guys that, that are our era that you'd remember. Um, okay, how about this one? Uh, he transferred to Tony Scott. <laughs> ah. Yeah, he transferred to Texas, or to, I think. You know what? I... He's not on this list, but I seem to remember him playing for number ten. Yeah, that's, I don't uh, know. I mean, or, or Keith Hughes. Keith Hughes did not wear ten. No, he didn't. Earl Duncan. Earl Duncan did. Duncan. Actually, no, he didn't. He's not on this list. <laughs> I want to know if Tony Scott wore number ten or not. Somehow, I've got twenty-one sticking in my head, and Tony Scott, but I'm looking on the twenty-one list, and I don't see him there. Hmm. Oh, you know what? Actually, I think he was like number fifty or something like that. Actually, I have no idea. That's that's a, a obscure. That is a, obscure. Fifty does sound sound right though. Uh, Greg Greg Monroe know. was was twelve. I don't see him on that list either. Andre Hawkins was fifty three. I I'm going about it wrong. I just nobody's popping into my head for ten. So, um, ooh, what about um, what about Sean Carey? He's, he's a point guard on a on a Final Four team. I'll tell you that. Oh, um, that's not Lazarus Sims. Oh, Sherman Douglas was twenty. What what you what you just almost say? I said Lazarus Sims. I thought he was. Lazarus Sims wore ten. Okay, there you go. Well, I, I that was a good hint because <laughs> it was either yeah. Sherman Douglas. <laughs> I'm getting away. Michael Carter um, Williams. A couple or... other Gene Waldron wore ten. At least oh, okay. for a portion of his career. Yep. He's the only other one I see on this list that I, that I even I made mean, a couple of walk-ons. No good. I thought I'd kick, be kicking myself. No. That was, the 10's a tough one. Okay. In hindsight, it's a tougher one. All right, so that's 10. You got Trevor Cooney's number. That's, you got three down. Um, Tyler Lydon's number 20. That's correct. So, if, if you are going to sequence, there's one prior. One, There's one between 10 and 20. But. Well, I'm, I'll do Lydon yeah. first, and then I'll think back. Uh I think I know who it is anyways. I think it's Caleb Joseph. He's in he like uh, 16, yeah, right. 14, 14, 16. Um, Caleb Joseph 14, correct. Okay. So, all right. Well, let's do 14 first then. Caleb Joseph. All right. Yep. Um, 14. He, he, was Adrian Autry 14? No. Okay. Geez, 14 is kind of tough. Quest Dwayne? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that, that there's a walk-on that sports the same number as Adrian Autry. And, that and there's a son, number 11. 
Eight, Audrey was 11. Yeah. Along with a lot of great orange, more 11. Um, oh. So, but I'm trying to think of 14. Jeez, I, I think this is a tough one. Is there is there some obvious ones down there that I'm going to kick myself? Uh, there's one that's he's not obvious, but he was he was a Final Four guy. Fourteen. And another guy you mentioned as a guest prior, who uh, the guy who transferred out, Keith Hughes. Keith Hughes wore fourteen. Not Keith Hughes, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only transfer I remember mentioning other than Tony Scott. Um, Earl Duncan. Earl Duncan. Earl Duncan wore 14. So Earl Duncan wore 14, and someone on one of the final four teams wore 14, huh? It wasn't Craig Forth. It wasn't, uh, it was, oh, Billy Edelin. Correct. Good call. Billy Edelin, 14. All right, Tyler Lydon, 20. Sherman Douglas and Fred. and uh what was a great twenties were there. There's really only one other that you could ever possibly get. Really? He's a he's a recent guy that you should get. A recent guy that I should get. Relatively recent guy. Yeah. Um Number 20, recent number 20s in the 2000s. Probably not recent in the past four or five years. Well, we were probably going back. He, 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 he played, he played, he finished up, I think, three years ago. Hmm. Sean, um, that guy that played for us that was from South Carolina, Sean Jones? No, that was a while ago. No. Wait, didn't he wear 20? Uh, no. Okay. This guy was a Final Four guy. Oh, that's right. You mentioned that. So it wasn't Williams. It wasn't uh, Dion Waiters. Um, it was. Geez, uh, I'm having trouble thinking. Remember who was on that team? Um, <laughs> but I said he was recent, so that leaves one recent Final Four. Yeah, oh yeah, I know the Final Four you're thinking of. I remember it well. Um. Oh, uh, Brandon Trish. Correct, Brandon Trish. Okay. Brandon Trish and Sherman Douglas are the, really the only other 20s of any That's a great number. All, really. That's a great number, though, right? Yeah, that's surprising, yeah. yeah. It's a, I mean, a lot of guys have worn it, but the guys that have, you would, I mean. Well, if Lydon can well get known. up in there to Brandon Trish and Sherman Douglas territory, I'd be happy. I think I'll, sure. I think I'll land somewhere in between um, high, you know, higher than Trish in terms of how we'll, he'll be remembered. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll be an NBA guy, and Trish never played in the NBA. Okay, so there's 20. Tyler Roberson's 21. Um, Tyler Roberson's 21. Lawrence Moten was 21. Right? Lawrence Moten was 21, correct. Okay. Yeah, so. there's, a lot, there's a lot of relevant 21s. Yeah. I mean, not a lot, but there's four or five that you should get. Well, I got him. Um Jason Sapola? No. Glenn Secunda? No, incorrect. <laughs> 21. My brain doesn't work right for this question. I just keep treat, waiting for somebody to pop in my head. I can't go systematically. Um, 20, great 21. Got to visualize guys wearing that number. Yeah. Wanted to do it. 
That's why I come up with guys like Glenn Secunda. It's wrong. Um, I give you a hint that gives it away. Oh, Rinze Onowaku? Did he wear 21? Correct. Yeah, okay, good. Good. That's good. a good call. Makes me feel good. 21. Here's, here's a couple others. Mookie Jones wore 21. Oh, I should have known my three. friend Mookie. Deshaun uh, Williams, who we all remember oh. finally, he wore 21. Yeah. We knew that. Matt Rowe wore 21 before he also moved to three. three. So, ironically, he and Mookie Jones both started at 21 and moved to three. And didn't finish their careers at Syracuse. And neither finished their careers at Syracuse. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew how much Matt Rowe and Mookie Jones had in common? <laughs> uh, and then Eric Williams was another guy that wore 21. Oh. He transferred out. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, that was a deeper list, but um, that was good. Okay. Um, That's 21. You got five down. 23 is uh, Richardson. You got three left. 23, 23 is Richardson. And uh, that Devendorf for 23, right? Correct. Um, 23. Mm. Is, is there a lot of them out there? There's there's four there's three or four that I will give you that you'll be like oh yeah that's right um, but you got to go back a little ways not too, not too many recent guys beyond Devendor I mean Rusta Raymer was a walk on to War 23 recently but there's <laughs> some uh, some guys back in the 80s that wore 23 that you should know early 90s yeah let's see um, Sh- Shump- Shumpert Preston Shumpert. Not Shumper. No. Um, 23. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm having trouble thinking of any 23s. Um, Herman Harid was 33. Correct, yeah, not Herman Harid. <laughs> Too bad we need um, 23. One guy, was a, one guy was a transfer from Kentucky. Oh, um, uh, the, the, the Loran Ellis. Around Ellis, yep. correct? I was there the same time he was. Yep. As a student. And uh, one guy became a dentist. Um, oh, you got you got your two, so you don't have to guess anymore. Yeah, Loran Ellis was your two. The dentist is Dr. Sonny Spera. Oh, yeah, I knew he was 23. Yeah. Yeah, uh, another, another blast from the past. Marty Head was 23. Mm-hmm. No more for Marty Head and Sonny Sparrow overlapped a little bit, but I guess not. Um, I would have thought they would have more twenty three for a portion. He he changed was number four. He changed number four, I believe. Yeah, he was four. But he wore twenty three when he started at Syracuse. Either he started at four or moved to twenty three or vice versa, but he wore both. And then uh Dave Justy, pride of Seneca Falls, wore twenty three before oh. he embarked on a great baseball career. <laughs> I wouldn't have got that one. Um That one's obscure. So, uh, Derek Coleman wears number 32. Not Derek Coleman, Daywan Coleman. Daywan Coleman, yeah. 32. Yeah, 32. 32 is a, uh, a decent list here. Yeah, of course, I can't think of a single one off the top of my head. Um, Franco Harris from the Steelers. Um, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm one, drawing a total one, blank. One's a recent guy who was on the final, final, recent Final Four team. Another guy was on a uh, long ago Final Four team. Uh, a couple guys in between. 32. One of our favorite Syracuse players of all time wore 32. Wow. So I'm going back. Oh, he's now a coach. He's now a coach? A Ryan coach. Blackwell. No, a head coach. Ryan Blackwell. Ryan Blackwell's correct. That's not the one I was thinking. He's a high school head coach, but no, that yeah, he wore 32, so that's a good call. And the other one's a head coach in... Um... Where's Ryan Blackwell coach now? Is he coached JD or Liverpool or somebody in Syracuse area? Yeah, yeah, I can't remember exactly who. It's not JD. Um... Christian Brothers or something, maybe? I don't know. I have no idea. But he is coaching somewhere around there. Somewhere around Syracuse area, yeah. Um, so there's another guy who's a coach, huh? Yep. He's a Division One coach. No, not. Uh, I don't know if he's Division One. No, he's not. But he's Stevie Thompson. Stevie Thompson. Correct. I, I, knew, I knew when I stumbled on when he was Division One that gave it away. <laughs> that was yeah. a bad job by me. Um, yeah, Stevie Thompson, one yeah. of our favorite Syracuse orange ever. Yeah, I mean that's the thing with this question. Like I know, I know he wears thirty-two. I just getting, I just can't get that name to pop in my head. And I'm trying to go through so many right. guys at once, I guess. But um, yeah. so what do we got? One, one more. Chris Joseph was a thirty-two. Mm-hmm. Uh, JB Reesnyder, who I know you uh, have a soft spot for. Yeah, my good friend JB Reesnyder. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> He's from Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, I knew I, I knew somebody went to high school with him. Um, George Papadakis wore thirty two before uh-huh. he transferred to Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Marty Burns from uh, late seventies, mm-hmm. early eighties time frame wore thirty two. Good score. Um, rest of these guys you've never heard of, but that's okay. a pretty good list. Yeah, that's um, that about covers us. We we got the whole roster. I know. What about okay. Chinoso Aboko? Oh, what oh, number oh, is no, he? Boko, you're right. What's his number? All right, you don't see enough of him to know. 40, 40, 45, 45. Incorrect. Oh, man. I really thought he was 45. Now I, now I don't know. Um, oh, yeah, for the sake of time, Brady, better tell me. Or I could just start shouting out numbers. Do you know Boko wears 35? Oh, 35, okay. Who else wore 35? Man, that's a tough one. A couple guys you know. Shout out shout out the name, the random name that you wanted to shout out before. The random name I wanted to shout out before. Um, like Oh, Sean Karens was 35. Uh, was he? No. No, he wasn't. he wasn't. 40 or something like that, right? Um, 41? What number was Sean Karens? 40-something. 35, 35. Oh, Scotty McCorkle. Correct. <laughs> that wasn't even the random guy that you were thinking of, was it? It was. That's the one you threw out before. Oh, did I? I said Scott McCorkle. You, you're thinking Glenn Secunda. Oh, right. <laughs> hey, was Secunda 35? <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. Scott McCorkle, 35. What about Secunda? Glenn Secunda did not wear 35. Okay. Um, so you got Scott McCorkle. This, the next guy is going to be a, uh, a 
power forward type of guy, like a. This guy hit one of the great shots in Syracuse history. One of the great shots. The great shots. It will show from now until the end of time. Oh, Jason Sapola. Correct. Okay. Jason Sapola wore thirty-five against Georgia. No shot I'm talking about. Yeah, against Georgia, which set up yep. uh, the overtime period where it John Wallace overtime. hit the uh, big one at the buzzer. What? Yep, that was a great, great shot. So you have Aboko, you have Sapola, and McCorkle. Billy Selick, great Syracuse mm. orange of the past, wore thirty-five. One of Bayheim's better, better recruits. <laughs> he actually saw some minutes as a senior, but man, he, he started. Yeah, um, Michael Brown, who we thought was going to be a great point guard Clemson. coming in, and never really, never really made it happen. He wore thirty-five. Marty Burns, who I was Look, Marty Burns wore a lot of different multiple numbers. Yeah. He wore thirty-five. And last but not least, James Arthur Bayheim wore thirty-five. Oh wow, there's a good trivia question. Yeah. I would. I wouldn't have guessed that. Do you, I wonder if you wore that in high school too at the uh, at Lions. Good question. Well, that was great trivia. Good. Glad you liked it. Yeah, that's fun. Um, a little stressful. My biggest fear with the trivia is like any SAT question. The two part questions are tough. Yeah, it's my biggest fear is that here I am hosting a Syracuse podcast and you know exposing my lack of knowledge. Sometimes yeah, I, the easy part. I just look stuff up. You gotta actually know it. Yeah, it's uh, it's when the, it's always end up wanting to kick myself when I get the answers. It's just the process of getting to the answer. But uh, definitely some good trivia there. And uh, I don't know how you do it every week, but we've got a few more weeks to go here this season. So uh, better get cracking on those trivia questions. Um, it was something. So two for the road. We got the home stretch. We're at Louisville on Wednesday. Then we got Pitt on Saturday. NC State at the Pitt and NC State both at the Dome. Uh, UNC at that's a seven o'clock Big Monday game on the road at the Dean Dome, and then Saturday, March fifth at Florida State. So Louisville, Pitt, NC State, North Carolina, Florida State. Two of those wins gets us to twenty. Five of those wins gets us a top four seed, maybe depending on the NCAA tournament. So, um, can can we can we ride this uh, stretch five more wins and uh, go ten wins strong into the ACC tournament, uh, or, or how do you see these last five games playing out, Brad? And can they? They absolutely can. They're playing as well in this league as as anybody, with you know maybe the possible exception of Virginia. They're, I mean, they 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 can do it. Will they? Uh, I don't know. It's, that's tough to say. I think at Carolina is probably the toughest of the five, honestly. I think they can sure. win at Louisville. I, you know, at Louisville, I'm still not sure how they're making that happen this season, especially when now they now they don't have anything left to play for. But right. I, I, I do think that Syracuse can, can win that game. Definitely they can win the two home games. Obviously, they, they tore apart Florida State. I think Syracuse, Syracuse and Florida – Syracuse is a bad matchup for Florida State, and I can't really understand why, but, I mean, they beat them badly last year, too, you remember, down the stretch, and Syracuse didn't do much of anything last year down the stretch. They beat Florida State, and that, I mean, they just, you know, manhandled them the other night. So I I don't see any problem with the win down, with winning down there. Then it's just, can they win at Carolina? And uh, I don't know, that's tough. I, you know, the, the, the styles are completely different. 
different, and that's you know who can who can push the other's will on on the other. I, that's a tough one. Yeah, I, I I see Syracuse easily winning three out of five. I see them very capably winning four out of five. I don't see them winning all five, but they win all five. I mean, they could go into you know thirteen and five going into the ACC tournament, probably a force the top four ACC tournament bid, which means they get to I guess they do, do a double buy, don't they? And then they uh, yeah. Wait. And they could probably get a five, you know, top five seed in the NCAAs, which is unfathomable given where they were when they lost to, you know, St. John's. I think they get that top five seed with four wins here coming home and and, and, a, and a win in the ACC tournament. But, uh, yeah, a lot will depend on, I suppose, that ACC tournament too. But I'm sure we can win at Louisville. Like you said, they these guys are down. We're on the rise. Um, you know, they they got no postseason play with it. It's reminiscent of where we were last year, and very reminiscent, self-imposed. So sure, we can beat Louisville. I expect to beat Louisville. I expect this team to beat Louisville the way they're playing right now. And then Pitt comes to the dome. Um, you know, they beat us on the road. They they got waxed by Carolina, um, today or yesterday, and um, and I think we we'll beat Pitt at home. NC State, uh, they beat us at the Dome a lot going back to before the ACC days, and they always make me nervous. But, you know, I, we better beat NC State this time. And then um, you mentioned at Florida State, uh, I agree. We're, we just own Florida State. At North Carolina, we were we played, that was Bayhams' first game back, and we were playing those guys for everything they're worth. And, and that was back in the period of the season. Remember when we just couldn't finish games, where we joked about how once a 10 minute mark hit, they all fall apart. Well, though, you know, those days right. appear to be over now. So uh, I like our chances on the road at North Carolina. And you know, I like the Bayheim really, you know, getting his team up for that game. Not that they would need to get up anymore, but. You know, he'll have a plan for old Roy Williams. And um, and this Syracuse team has actually played better on the road than they have at home, you know, overall this year, if you look at it, right? Yeah. 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 And most of their losses were, I don't know if most of their losses were at home, but let me um, let me take a look here. I'll tell anyway. Yeah, they lost at St. John's. Um, but they lost at home to Wisconsin, at Georgetown. They lost at Pitt, at Miami. Lost at home to Clemson and UNC. So about an equal amount, I guess. Um, it's hard to really figure anything from that nine-game stretch into any type of rational thought because it was such a. Um, it was just a different team. Yeah, entirely different team. I mean, the NCAA will even admit that they won't completely ignore them. But I mean, they, they're going to discount those games. It's it's a different team. Yeah, so so yeah, they could win all five games right now. I, I'm sky's the limit for these guys, but um, two of them is the bare minimum. We need two of these next five bare minimum. So if they beat Louisville Wednesday night, then you know it, it's be hard to see them not getting at least one more. If they lose to Louisville, then you might start scratching your head and really squeezing during that Pittsburgh game on Saturday. But uh, but the way they're playing right now, uh, I like them. I think they're favored in every one of those games except at North Carolina. Um, at Louisville, you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I doubt they're favored in that game, but I, I do in think my mind they are. Yep. So, all right, uh, two for the road. Uh, the Pearl. You see him. Uh, you see the Pearl uh, warm ups on the Syracuse players, and by now you've heard. Um, 
per Washington battling brain cancers, um, has some significant medical expenses, um, and Cuse Nation has already raised $52,000, um, over $52,000 for the Pearl so far, and you can, you can help too. You can go to GoFundMe.com slash Pearl Washington. Guy was my childhood hero, and I donated $31 because he wore number 31. I saw a lot of people doing that. I kind of like that. That seems like a good number. Um, so, um, yeah, Cuse Nation turning out yeah. 52,000 plus. As, as a guy who created a lot of our memories as kids, it's hard to, uh, it's hard not to, not to feel, feel a little bit for, for him going through what he's going through. Yeah. And it makes us question our own mortality a little bit. You know, there was a, you know, when your childhood hero is, uh, in that type of state, but, um, yeah, a guy like that seems immortal when you're, uh, when you're, you know, 10 years old. Yeah, that uh, that uh, that guy. We could have another conversation about who the most important player in the history of Syracuse basketball was. You could argue it was Jim Beheim, you know, even though he went on to most of his accomplishments as a coach because he was a player there. He ended up as the coach. Um, you could say Dave Bing. Jim Beheim will say Dave Bing. Some might say Carmelo Anthony because he won him the title, um, but. I think I could make a great case for Pearl Washington coming into the league. Um, a young Big East, um, just when ESPN was starting to put games on during the week on Monday nights, and um, you know he was a he was known from coast to coast. And of course, you remember Syracuse getting a lot of West Coast recruits like Mike Hopkins, who, by the way, is still around, you know, and part of the program. A part of that's because mm-hmm. of the Pearl um, brought national you, you attention. Don't California without without the Pearl. Right. You, you just you just don't. And um, just you know, he had this iconic status to him, legendary playground player. But you know, when it was all said and done, and I still still bothers me um, a little bit. You know, the Pearl didn't really bring much in terms of postseason accolades to to Syracuse, other than the Big East tournament, which was basically as big as well for the teams in the Big East. That was just about as big as the Final Four back then. That those yeah. Big East tournaments. But, um, you know, Pearl lost <coughs> his sophomore year to Mark Price in Georgia Tech, and that was heartbreaking, but I was so sure, you know, that the Pearl had to bring Syracuse to a Final Four. And yeah. and then just second-round shock in the Dome to Navy, and then he oh, goes pro, and David, that's David it. David Robinson's Navy team. And then the very next year, they go to the yeah. Final Four with Sherman that's, Douglas. So you never know. But, that's hard. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it bleeding orange. Coach Beheim admits that Pearl was probably his most important recruit, and uh, you know I don't doubt that for a second because yeah, he put this program on the map in the '80s, and they needed to fill the Carrier Dome and needed to show the country that thirty thousand strong, the excitement and you know what the Big East was about, and he 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 did, boy. And the Madison Court Garden was his was his playground, his show, and the Big East tournaments, and yeah, we'll never forget those. Let's not talk about him like he's gone. Let's. Uh, yeah, let's I'll, get get I'll, get over there to go find me. for the program still to this day. Yep, gofundme.com slash Pearl Washington. It's easy to remember, and anybody that's ever used GoFundMe, it's it's very simple. It's you take take uh, three minutes. Take three minutes. So, Brad, uh, we've done it for show in, in two weeks. And again, apology to I'll to back. all you folks that listen every week. Um, I know how it. I listen to a lot of podcasts uh different times of the year but 
you know, like for instance, uh, I like, you know, I mow the lawn. It's about, it takes me about an hour and a half. And so I got a couple podcasts I listen to. And when I go to check for them, when I'm mowing the lawn in the summer and they're not there, I get a little upset. So, um, for those of you that listen and watch religiously every week, the upstate orange podcast, um, you know, apologize for doing that to you two weeks in a row, but, uh, we're going to ride straight out here through March, through the ACC tournament, which I'm not excited about at all into the NCA tournament, which I'm extremely excited about and, um, see how far we can ride this thing. So, so we'll be here next week, Brad. Thanks for, uh, thanks for sitting in. Glad to be here. Excited to ride out for the rest of the season. So thanks, everybody, for joining us on the Upstate Orange podcast. Uh, We'll be back again next Sunday with another edition. You can subscribe to our feed on iTunes, on uh, Stitcher.com, on YouTube, or via RSS. We're online at fingerlakes1.tv slash upstateorange. So for the professor, Brad Connor, I'm Jim Sinecropi. Have a great week. Beat Louisville, beat Pitt, and let's go orange.